Pulp MX Network production. To this day, when I hear that song, I see you standing there on that lawn. Discount shades, store bought tank, flip flops, and cut off jeans. Somewhere between that. A new view from inside the truck. X racer to racer and eye to eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's industry seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires, Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Pro Glow Wash, Works Connection, Bass Foundry, TL Speed Shop, Grandstone Boots, and Fly Racing. Welcome to the Industry Seating Podcast. My name, of course, is Jason Thomas. And if you didn't know that, you're probably in the wrong place. This is a podcast where I will be talking about all sorts of things that have to do with dirt bikes, specifically the race from Thunder Valley in this week's episode. Before we jump into that, thank you to the sponsors of this podcast, Pirelli Tires, Guts Racing, Pump Creek Funding, Works Connection, Pro Glow, Fast Foundry, International Vet MX Series, Grant Stone Boots, TL Speed Shop, Fly Racing. So without further ado, what did we see in Colorado? In the 250 class, frankly, it was more of the same. Hunter Lawrence has won all three races, and he's kind of done it in the same fashion. He's gone out and done fairly decent the first motos, fought through adversity, but not really his best result, right? Like he hasn't won a first moto yet this season. Then the second moto, he comes back, a rougher track, tougher conditions. Seems like he figures things out a little bit, gets his starts dialed in. And then he just controls the race in the second moto. Now, the interesting dynamic would have been how the second moto went had Justin Cooper not crashed. That's a fair question to ask, and it's a fair dynamic to bring up. But in this case, that's what happened. You know, we, we can only go off of what happened, not what if. You know, if you can always throw around lots of what ifs, but you're really not going to get any uh, result out of that. Like you're not, never going to find resolution. The facts are that Hunter Lawrence has won all three rounds and done it in a consistent, calm, cool, collected, composed way. That, you know, the, the way that that first moto went for Justin Cooper, I think he gained some confidence there. And I'm going to do a piece on the TV broadcast this weekend concerning that. The tough part of that is that Hunter Lawrence is going into what I would consider to be one of, if not his best racetracks. And I think he's going to waltz in here with a ton of confidence. If he didn't, if he didn't have three wins in a row, again, this racetrack has been very kind to him. So I think you'll see him with a smile on his face and a pep in his step as he enters the fourth race of a series that he's dominated up to this point. Now I mentioned Justin Cooper and I do think he had a bit of a breakthrough but that's, you know, that nice feeling and, and the, the air of confidence and all the things he could take from that. You feel like he's kind of running that into a meat grinder with Hunter on fire and into his best track. So something seems like it has to give there. And maybe it's not some hard break. It doesn't have to be one way all the way or the other, right? They, both of them can be true. Justin Cooper can be better than he has been, continue in his improvement. And then Hunter Lawrence can still show us why this is his best racetrack. 
It could be something just like we saw at Thunder Valley where they split Moto wins or something like that. That's going to be what I'm watching for in the 250 class. That's where I think the story is for now is that Justin Cooper finally seems to have figured things out. And he's, he's on the form now that I expected him to enter this series with. And it's taken him a few weeks and he's 16 points down because of it. But I, I think he has finally arrived into a place where he's ready to contend for wins week in and week out. And we'll see. We'll see if that's right or wrong. Maybe it was a one-week thing. Uh, he struggled at High Point last year. I remember, I think I picked him for my fantasy team at this race last year, and it didn't go very well. Uh, he just didn't have a very good day. So we'll see if he can bounce back from that a year ago and continue uh, on the pace he seems to have found last weekend. Hayden Deegan is the next up in my notes, and I don't know what to say about the stuff with Hunter. I hate that type of riding. I don't like when, you know, like my thing is you're always best served trying to race forward, especially when it's super early in the race. Swerving all over the racetrack to try to block Hunter to me is a net negative. And I I try to live my life in that fashion, not not only just racing, not only how I view Hunter and Deegan and any of that stuff, but any decision you have to make in your life, right? You're going to typically weigh all the pros and cons. You know, how does it make your life better? How does it make your life worse? What are the sacrifices? What are the potential benefits of any decision? It could be buying a new car, a new house, deciding to date a certain person, uh, whatever, anything, any important decision. And I think that in this scenario, not that this was a big life decision for Hayden Deegan, I just think that that type of racing is a net negative. There's not a lot to gain from it. You paint a bullseye on your back. All of your fellow racers hate you. Sometimes you end up crashing yourself and you're probably going to get payback at some point. And I, I just don't think there's really any upside uh, other than maybe if he had held Hunter off the entire moto, he could say, yeah, that's the upside right there. Like I, I forced him to get back on his heels and he couldn't make the pass. That's pretty rare. Uh, typically what, what happens is you just piss the guy off. He either comes in and gets really aggressive with you. He knocks you down or he just blows your doors off, which Hunter kind of did both. Like he got aggressive in that corner and he just checked out on him. So I hope that Hayden Deegan can figure that out and realize he doesn't need to race that way. And it's kind of the same message I gave on the Pulp Show. I just don't think as a long-term career approach that he needs any of that. He is too good, too fast. His future's too bright to be engaging in that sort of racing. Uh, I just don't think it will serve him well. You know, the, I think the negative uh, brand image that it, it implies, um, you don't want to get knocked down by your competitors. That hurts you, especially when you're chasing championships. So again, he doesn't have to listen to me. He's going to listen to his dad and, you know, the people he trusts, which he should. I just hope that they can come to the realization that that's not the best way to go about things. And we'll see that that's for them to decide. We'll, I'll certainly be watching either way. And uh, yeah, we'll just see what, how this all plays out. Uh, Levi kitchen. He finally showed up, man. I, uh, I went into the first round pretty optimistic on Levi. I thought he would get better starts. I thought he would be really fast and it just wasn't really happening. Uh, the starts weren't great, but neither was really his ability to move forward either. So he was kind of hovering around that 10th place position through the first two races. And I was like, eh, this isn't ideal. Like he's going to be bummed if this is, t turns out to be a season trend where he's just running around an eighth to 10th all year. That's not great. 
And I think he has his deal signed to go to Monster Pro Circuit next year, which fine, you know, good for him. Do what, do what you think is best for your career and your, you know, your lifestyle and all those things. I just don't think that, or I, let me rephrase that. I think he is better than a 10th place guy. And I think he would be disappointed and rightfully so if that's the way these things trended, but he seems to be better. Now, the question you could push back and say, is it track specific? Because we know how good he was at this race last season. He won a moto. He beat Jet straight up. And going into the next round, what was the next round? one of the next rounds at Southwick, we saw that same flash from him where he was actually catching Jet in one of the motos. So I hope this is the start of something. I really like Levi Kitchen. I think he's a, a nice kid. His parents are really nice. Um, and I just think he, he has a ton of potential. His He has a really uh, high talent ceiling, which will allow him to do great things if he can kind of put it all together. So just something to watch for. Let's see if it was a Colorado-specific thing or if this is the start of something and he's, he's in this podium fight more times than not. Joe Shimoda, very similar to how I feel about Kitchen. Although Shimoda's have, results have been a little better I thought Shimoda would be in the fight for the championship. Now, I didn't have him winning it. I just thought he would be a relevant contender all season long. I thought he'd be winning motos here and there. I did think a little bit of inconsistency would do him in because that's just been his MO over the course of his career. But the start of the series wasn't anything near that. You know, he looked fast at times, but he's crashing. Some of it not his fault. And, you know, bad starts, crashing on the first turn this past weekend. Like, it's been a little bit of everything. Like all kinds of adversity have been sprinkled in for Shimoda. And then you see what he's capable of this weekend. You know, if you want to go back and look at his individual lap times, I think you would be surprised at how fast he really was, especially at the end of the first moto. He was easily the fastest guy on the racetrack. Certain points of the second moto, he was the fastest guy on the racetrack. So that has to be light at the end of the tunnel for him. You know, that has to be a reason for optimism. And we'll see what he does with it. Um, I, I do think the starts, you know, it, it's cliche, but it, it needs to start with the start. You, get, you put yourself in a good position, you stay out of trouble, and then you can just put your laps in. That doesn't mean you won't have to battle with Justin Cooper or Hunter or any of those guys, but I'm sure he's ready for that. Like he wants to be in that fight. He doesn't want to be in 12th on the third lap and just a war between, you know, guys like Deegan and Francisco and all these guys that are plenty capable, but he needs to be ahead of all them. And it, it's a lot of work and a lot of risk to move past those guys. So I think it could be the start of something. But again, when I say it's the start of something for Cooper, the start of something for Kitchen, we know how good Deegan's been. Hymas was a lot better this weekend. He gets a third in the moto. Like all these guys, it could be the start of something for all of them. So who is going to break out of that and who's actually going to uh, turn this into something real? Tom Vial, you know, DNF's the first moto, didn't start the second one. That's a bummer. Um, he did look okay after the race. He has a sore wrist, which he said it wasn't so much pain as it was just really weak. Now, part of me wants to say, man, you just got to race through that. You know, like you have to be tough enough. And you, if you want to be relevant in this championship, like you just have to fight through that. I didn't feel what his wrist felt like. So that's easy for me to say. It's easy to be a, you know, armchair quarterback and take cheap shots. Maybe he was just like, I'm going to crash. Like if I go back out there, the way my wrist is, there's no way it can hold up under a heavy load or trying to come down these really rough downhills, trying to steer through these ruts. So if that's the case, I get it. Um, I've just seen guys race through some really, really heavy injuries 
And that's a part of what this series takes. Like if you want to really be a contender long-term in a series, you're going to have to fight through some pretty, pretty heavy stuff at times, like lots of pain, things you don't think you can do. You're going to have to grit your teeth and bear it. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, but it did strike me as a little strange when I saw him kind of walking around the pits after the second moto, like he looked totally fine. And again, I don't know what his wrist felt like, but I do know what he looked like and he looked totally fine to me. Um, so just something I noticed, I could be absolutely wrong. I could be overly critical. And if I am, I apologize. That's not what this is about. I just remember looking right at him and he's walking around talking to people like he, you know, that he didn't have the look of somebody that could not race the second moto. That, that's as much as I need to say on the topic. I don't want to insult him. That's not what this is about. It just, again, if you had seen him like I did, you'd been like, wait, he couldn't race? Like he didn't even line up? That to me, um, yeah, it just, it struck me as odd. How about that? Jordan Smith was better. The last note I have, uh, Hymas was really good too. I didn't put him in my notes, but Hymas was great in that second moto. Finally made good on all the promise he's been showing. And then, uh, yeah, Jordan had his best race in a very long time. It has been struggle bus through the first couple of rounds, but this was, uh, this was much more indicative of the speed he possesses. Now, we know Jordan crashes a lot, and he has been crashing, but we also know he can go really fast. So uh, I felt good for Jordan. I'm sure it was uh, a little bit of relief. I don't think it was happiness, but more of relief for Jordan Smith. So let's jump into uh, our power rankings, as we do. And... I'll be the first to tell you that these things are a complete mess. It has completely come unraveled. I don't know what to do with half of these guys. I'm having to rethink the entire process each week because how do I factor and weigh Supercross into this with so many guys out? How do I – do I weigh qualifying speed or is it just about motos or overalls? Because these guys' results are just all over the damn place. You know, like what do I do with a guy like Masterpool? So, yeah, I just did the best I could. I, I crossed people out and put them back in and moved them up and down a bunch of times. But this is kind of where I landed. So at number 10, I have Derek Drake. And I understand how someone could say, how could you have Derek Drake in your top 10? And I'll tell you how. If you look at his qualifying speed, you look at Paula and Hangtown, where he was likely going to finish if he didn't have bike issues. He's been, he's been a top 10 guy week in and week out. He really has. Now, I... I can't say that the results have said that, but I'm telling you where he fits into this 450 class, and that is well inside the top 10. And that has been a consistent theme thus far. When you're able to run around in like third place, passing Cincerillo, and then you can make good on that by finishing inside the top 10 in motos, yeah, I'm going to give you a look. Look at his qualifying times. That stuff says a lot. Like his speed is there. His pace in the motos is there. Now they need to fix the rear brake. That's a problem, but I think him at 10, he absolutely deserves that. You know, Supercross was kind of a mess. It wasn't anything to write home about for him. So I, you know, he didn't even ride the 450 class. So I'm weighing that also, but I think he deserves to be at 10 here. Number nine, Freddie Norn. I went back and forth between these two, but Norn has been a little more consistent. He has Supercross results. It's six and one half dozen the other between some of these guys. But I felt like Norn could be at nine. He's been a top 10 guy most of the weeks. You know, he was really pushing for a top five there for a bit. So nine feels okay. Um, I don't have a ton of conviction about him being at nine though. 
Number eight is Ty Masterpool, and he went from an honorable mention last week to right into the top 10. And, and he was the story outside of Jet last weekend, right? Like, we know the AP podium and for, like, whatever. It's fine. We expect that, though. Masterpool was headline-grabbing story. Privateer moves to the 450 class and is in the mix. I mean, passing factory dudes, battling Plessinger down to the wire, uh, he he really gave us something to talk about on the weekend, and uh, I think he's deserving. I think he's it's fine for him to, you know, leapfrog Norin and Drake because if if you line those guys up together, Masterpool will blow him off the racetrack right now. He absolutely will, and that goes a long way for me. And I think Masterpool is going to be a top six, seven guy for a while until we get more racers back. That's where he deserves to be. He is that fast. Number seven, I have Grant Harlan. And Harlan has a bigger body of work right now than Masterpool does. I believe Masterpool's faster than Harlan, but Masterpool needs to put in some more results, show us he can do it week in and week out, and he will pass Grant Harlan. But if you look at Grant Harlan from the beginning of Supercross, he's been impressive the entire way. He's backed that up in the outdoors. I, I just can't do it. I think he deserves to be seven. He just has more to show us over the course of six months than Masterpool does. Number six, Kyle Chisholm, and it's that same thing. It's the body of work here. Now, Chiz hasn't been, been close to Harlan or Masterpool or, frankly, even Norin as far as speed goes and Drake in this Pro Motocross Championship yet, but he was fantastic in Supercross. So that's where it gets dicey is how do you start to weigh these? Do you let recent results dictate much more of your outlook? And I'm trying not to. I'm trying to remember – that this is what round 21 of we're going into round 21 of, you know, the series. Not, it hasn't been, it's not round three and I'm not looking at just those. I'm looking at all the rounds we've gone through six months of racing. And I think Chisholm deserves to be six, you know, like, yeah, if you want to put all the injured, injured guys in there, it's totally different picture. But if you're not racing and don't plan to race anytime soon, you're not going to be in this list. We're going to talk about guys that are showing up on Saturdays, lining up behind the greats, behind the gates and on the greats. Uh, and that's, that's who's going to get the attention in this. And Chiz has been a little underwhelming. He's been okay. I think Thunder Valley was his ver worst race yet. As far as that goes, I saw him getting passed by guys at times. He just didn't look comfortable, but he's had a really, really great 2023. And I'm not going to let one bad round or a couple of mediocre rounds. He's still been top 15. I'm not going to let that deter me from how great this year has been for Kyle Chisholm. Number five is Adam Cincerillo, and frankly, he deserves to be five. You know, Supercross was eh. The very end was good. He got that podium. His first moto was really strong this weekend. Like, good for him. Uh, I think he got a little lucky with Ferrandis and Plessinger going down, but luck's a part of it, man. Like, you have to stay out of trouble. Avoiding, you know, catastrophe on the first lap is a skill. It's a part of racing, being able to navigate through – people switching lines and swerving and first turn crashes and all that. That's a part of racing. It's just, it always has been and always will be. And I'm not going to penalize people for staying out of all that drama. So AC feels right at, at number five. Let's talk about the sponsors again. Thank you to Pirelli tires. You can go grab that uh, rebate from your dealer, $30 on an off-road set of tires, $60 on a street set. And this is also available in Canada. Now you just need to go to your dealer and fill up, buy the tires and fill out the, uh, the rebate form. Guts Racing, 
get your seat covers for all that. They have all the Saran bikes now, which are really, really popular. They have complete seats for Kawasaki's full sets of graphics for all your power sports needs. Uh, but Guts Racing is a great company. Really proud to be a part of them. And uh, Andy Gregg, great family there. Pump Creek funding. Now we know rates aren't great, right? It, anytime you're pushing 7% on a historic level, it's not that bad. It's probably pretty normal on a historic level. But if you've come out of the last three years of an extremely low rate environment, it feels like the world is ending when you're trying to buy a house. Some people need to. So what I would suggest calling Zach Morris at Plum Creek Funding, 720-212-4685 and find out what the best course of action is. He's licensed in a bunch of states. He has friends that are licensed in other states and he can give you the best advice for what you need to do. I don't know that you're probably gonna wanna refi right now. That seems unlikely, but a lot of people are still they're house hunting right now. They need to buy something. They, they're tired of renting. That's who you need to reach out to is Zach Morris at Plum Creek Funding. Fast Foundry, reach out to Robert Carrico and the team. Small business, big business, startup. Maybe you have a business idea and you want to talk to an expert on how to launch it. Fast Foundry has all of your answers in that genre. Uh, they've been down every path, right? They've worked with Fortune 500 companies. They've worked with people that are pre-revenue but they can help you avoid pitfalls, save you a ton of money and get your business off the ground or just make it a lot more efficient. So reach out to Fast Foundry. Go to fastfoundry.com and ask for, or you can call there too and ask for Robert. Works Connection. Got to see Eric Phipps and his sons at uh, Hangtown. They were doing some racing as well. I went there uh, last year, went to their building, which was awesome. They have so much memorabilia and collector's items just blew my mind. I mean, the place is like a museum. And uh, yeah, so congrats to a lifelong successful company there, Eric, with Works Connection. And yeah, if you want something to get a better start, what do you think everybody uses? Pro Launch Start Device, Star Yamaha, Factory Honda, all the big teams use Pro Launch Start Device from Works Connection for a reason. It's the best and easiest to use system. You can also check out those uh, new foot peg mounts for the, the 2023 Yamaha 450. Change that rider triangle a bit. You've heard Dylan Ferrandez talk about that lately. They're trying to get comfortable. So that's something you can try. Going to lower the foot pegs a little bit. Use the promo code JT23 to save yourself some money when you check out. Uh, Progo Wash, Power Sports Formulated Wash. And I always ask the question, why would you use anything else? This is specifically built for Power Sports. You don't need to go to Walgreens or Walmart to buy something off the shelf that has nothing to do with our sport. Buy ProGlow. This is what it's made for. Doesn't matter if it's side-by-side, street bike, dirt bike, whatever, ProGlow has you covered. International Vet MX Series, they have a few events coming up. It's a double header, and they're both in Oregon. July 8th and 9th is at Washougal. So if you want to get a little track time in before the national, I know a lot of you out there race the amateur day at Washougal. Get some extra track time in. That's going to be July 8th and 9th. And then the next weekend is at Albany Motorsports Park, and that's July 15th and 16th. Both of these are two-day events, tons of track time. You typically get three motos, and they really cater to the 30 and up crowd. It's a laid-back environment. Go there, hang out. A lot of times they'll have live music, activities going on on Saturday nights. You can spend the weekend there and really get back to that family-type racing where it's relaxed. It's more about the riding. People aren't going there to try to win a national championship. It's just a different environment. Uh, and for me, you know, I, I'm turning 44 next week. Uh, I can appreciate that, right? You just want to be able to go in and ride your dirt bike and enjoy good times with good friends. And that's what International Vet MX Series is all about. 
You can go to oldtimersmx.com to learn more. TL Speed Shop, Jason Cobb is the owner operator there, and he was actually at Thunder Valley. I didn't get to see him because I was running around like a crazy person doing television stuff, but it's awesome that he got to come. They're, they're based in Wickenburg, Arizona, and they have a side-by-side and trophy truck destination getaway, and you can customize it. You can go to Baja. You can go to Sedona. You can go wine tasting. You can do any of the preset tours that they have, or you can dream up your own idea and they will build it out for you. So this is plug and play, flying to Phoenix, they do the rest and you get to drive these badass side-by-sides and they have a trophy, they have trophy truck teams, they have all this stuff that you don't need to be a gajillionaire and have all this stuff on your own. You can just fly in and make it a weekend getaway. That's what they specialize in. So reach out to uh, the team there at TL Speed Shop. Grandstone Boots, I am wearing them right now. Actually, I'm wearing the, uh, the what, are the, what is the color? Tobacco? Uh, sneakers right now. So that sneaker collection is one of their newest. They also have a bunch of loafers that are all in stock now too. So if you're looking for something that's more summer oriented, go check out grantstoneshoes.com. I could not possibly recommend their product any more highly. I love everything they've done and that they're about. And I say this all the time on this show, but when I first started with them, they were just getting off the ground and they had a, just a few items. And I was like, ah, man, this is a really tough market. seems really saturated. I'm not sure how this is going to go. Yeah. Eight years later, nine years later, here we are. And they have product that I would put up against anybody in a wide selection, different types, heights, um, different colors. You know, they have sneakers. Now they have loafers, they have uh, low cut, they have high top boots. They have everything, man. It's just such a great product lineup. So check out grandstoneshoes.com. Last but not least is Fly Racing, and I'm at the office right this second. Go to flyracing.com, brand new website, at Fly Racing USA is our social media, and you can learn about all of our great new products and all the things that are about to come out in July. 2024 drops in July. Okay, last few guys of this uh, power ranking. Dylan Ferrandis is four. And, I mean, Supercross was a catastrophe, right? He knocks himself out at Houston. Tries to come back at Daytona, can't do it, hurts himself again, and then he's been out. So we have basically three races of evidence since, what was that, February-ish, something like that, end of February. And uh, I, so I, I don't know exactly where to put him. I think he is, I think he's better than AC. Right. Like outdoors, it's really hard to say he's not better than AC. So I think he deserves to be at four, but I, I don't know if he's better than Plessinger or not. The difference is Plessinger Supercross season was okay. It wasn't great. Like no one was going to say Plessinger Supercross season was great. He had a shot to make it great at Detroit and unfortunately crashed his brains out with two laps to go. So I think he deserves to be at four and I think AP deserves to be at three. Now AP specifically looks like he's on an uptrend. He looks like he's getting better. The one thing he needs to stop doing is crashing. He's crashed in every moto this year. Every single moto he's crashed in this year. Wait, is that true? Did he crash in the last moto this weekend? Maybe he didn't. That was that would have been the first moto. I think he's crashed in five out of six motos this season. So if he can figure that out, I think he has a real shot at being on the podium every weekend the rest of the year. And we'll see who comes back and who's racing and all that. I get it. But in the in the lineup that was at Thunder Valley, I could see him being on the podium every single weekend. So I know this is a track he rides really well at High Point. He grew up in Ohio. I think 
you know, we'll see what Roxon does. That could throw a wrench into things, but I think he's on the right track here. I really do. I like what I'm seeing out of uh, Aaron Plessinger. Number two is Cooper Webb. And again, Cooper Webb Supercross season weighs heavily here. If you wanted to just make it about pro motocross, I think that Dylan, or excuse me, Aaron Plessinger would be ahead of him and Dylan Ferrandis would be making a case for it as well. But Webb's Supercross season was great. You know, he we all know what happened in Nashville. But remember, he was knocking on the door of that championship. I don't think it was going to happen because Tomac was better than Sexton. You know, like there was, there's a lot there to unpack. We won't go backwards and talk about all that. But in the end, Webb was doing really well in Supercross, won a couple of races, and was a big, big factor when none of these other guys really well were. So he deserves the nod ahead of all those guys. Now, I don't think he's the best motocrosser amongst Plessinger, Ferrandis, and we'll just leave it between those two. So I would say he's fourth in the motocross series right now as far as pure speed and where he's at in his development and getting up to speed. But again, this is a big picture look at the entire series. Number one, as if there was any doubt, is Jet Lawrence. And Jet is, he's just, it's silly how good this kid is. I really try to not get caught up in hype I try to be really even keeled and take a look at all sides of an equation, but Jet's making it really hard. Um, the things he's doing, the speed he shows when he needs it and the restraint he shows when he doesn't is so impressive to me. To be able to turn it off and turn it on as needed, man, I don't know what to make of that. It's so rare. Um, I've seen it before. It's not like I've never seen it, but it's, it's generational. And we've used that term, you know, Daniel Blair used generational. Like I, I'm really starting to come around for that. I think the kid is truly special. He's one of a kind. Uh, his personality doesn't match his on the bike persona at all. They're actually completely the opposite off his bike. He's very kind of happy go lucky. Um, a little goofy, not like it's not that he's, not intelligent. It's just his personality. He's very kind of um, trying to think of the right word. Um, he just doesn't take things very seriously. It doesn't see, right. And that that's good. He's, he's 19 year old kid. That's super successful. He should be able to have fun and be loose and all those things. That's what I get from him. He acts, he acts like a 19 year old or even younger, but when he gets on his motorcycle, he races like a 10 time champion who has this field absolutely covered and knows it. It's just the biggest contrast I think I've ever seen between someone personality on and off the bike. Uh, I, I don't know what to make of it. I don't know why that is. I don't think I've ever seen it before, but uh, yeah, here we are. So Jet Lawrence, my hat is off to you. Uh, you are truly phenomenal and uh, we'll see where it goes from here. But even the things you've done to this point have been truly remarkable. You have to start thinking about 22 and 0. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't. It's just too much that can go wrong. A bad start, a mechanical failure, crash in the first turn, crash on your own. Um, it's just a lot to ask to go 22 and 0. It's really early for all that, but you have to start mentioning it. Like, you know, if we don't do it now, he's 6 and 0. Like, when do we? Right? I don't know when that line is, but I think we have to start kind of hinting at it. You know, the more we go down this path, he goes, if he goes, you know, undefeated again this weekend at high point beats Roxon. You start thinking, okay, well, who's going to come back? Is 
Sexton coming back? Is Barsha coming back? Because I don't know that those guys can beat him either. You would think Sexton has a really good shot at it, but I don't know. Uh, I'm not there. I'm not proclaiming it's going to get done. I just think it has to be – just kind of have to be bringing it up a little bit. You know, maybe mention it in side notes and things like that. Um, and the the louder that drum beat gets, the closer we get, yeah, the more we're going to have to talk about it. So that's it for this week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, I'll try to get this one out earlier next week. Uh, I apologize. It's Tuesday, but it feels really late for me. Tuesday? It's Wednesday. Holy cow, it is really late. So I apologize for getting this out on a Wednesday. Uh, but I hope you enjoy it. Please check out all of our sponsors. And uh, if you have questions, email me, hit me up. If you see me at the race, come talk to me, Instagram, DM me, whatever. I'm here for it. Thanks, guys. See you.